You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome, my Druids. Missed you. Feel like it has been so long. <laughs> when in reality, this is probably coming out with yet another episode. <laughs> because if you it's haven't a two noticed, for one deal. It is. If you haven't noticed, we're dropping a lot of episodes simultaneously. And that's just because we're determined to get them all out, all of season two before season three, so that we can get to our one episode a week after show format. So we apologize if you're feeling like, man, these are all coming out too fast for me to keep up. We understand. But welcome back to Making a Druid, the podcast where we're really trying to make everyone into Nancy Drew fans. That was always the intent of this podcast. We have been successful with Teresa. So now I'm, <laughs> I am ready to turn the rest of you into Druids as well. And bring it. Bring it. I, I, right. My name is Allie, and I'm the squirrely one that gets off topic a lot, and I'm joined by my good friend, Teresa. Hello, everyone. She's much less squirrely and much more willing to stay on topic. It's, it's great, though, because we balance each other out. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about episode six, The Riddle of the Broken Doll, we discussed last episode that this one kind of felt like the last episode kind of felt like it was supposed to be the season finale. So this one definitely had moments where it felt like a premiere, especially with like the opening sequence, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But before we can get to that episode, we got to take care of, you know, we got to take care of business. So Teresa, our keeper of the count, is going to update us on our counts. Yes. So our uh, murdered... Uh, our dead dead uh, uh, people we are at three for the whole series and just one for the season AJ poor AJ he's pulling a Tiffany here and he's being dead by himself for a good chunk of the first half I feel like we should say three and a half because technically George died that's true I guess I I didn't count her simply because she's technically alive <laughs> but she's dead enough to count for the blood burking curse is she though for all i know you're yeah. lying to me yeah i think it should at least be three and a half well have what about you guys what do you think should it yeah, be look, tell us um i will make that correction just for ally but i think it's debatable yeah, let us know if you disagree. Um, we'll probably have this debate every single time I say one <laughs> and a half or, you know, the ha- have that half there. Not um, every time. Not nah, just whenever we remember. <laughs> so three and a half. I guess if you, uh, we did say with Josh being a question mark, I did have halves there. But but um, George isn't a question mark. We know she's alive. But, but she, she died. She did it flatline, I guess. She did. She was 100% dead. Like, would not have come back from life without supernatural powers. But she did. Because, because of, of supernatural powers. But she's alive. But she was dead. Fine. Okay, we're just going to have this argument. Just let <laughs> us know. Maybe we'll have a poll later today or later when this episode comes out. It's true. Um, yes, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Let us know what your thoughts. Um, but with that, uh, a definitive count, right, is our ghost count, right? We're at 13 ghosts because Odette made an appearance at the very end of the episode. Um, and, and Odette is separate it, from the Aglaica. Yeah, made it very, very well known that uh, she is not the Aglaica. The Aglaica is not Odette. So that's 13 for the whole series and five just for season two. Um, That's one per episode. I just want that to be known. Epic. They came back with a vengeance. Yeah. And so the, the Aglaica episode uh, or this episode when we, the Aglaica being dead now or gone technically because Odette's not still kicking it with us. Right. So, um, and then there's the ghost sightings. We're at 59 total with 18 happening so far in season two. 
All right. Okay, so now that we're up to date on our count, let us recap what happened last episode, which was the, the Drowned Woman. So in The Drowned Woman, the Drew crew pretty much spends the whole episode trying to figure out how to rid themselves of the Aglaica curse. They first try to find the sand from the portents, and they're briefly able to use the sand to wound her, but not actually get rid of her. So they all start to take care of unfinished business when Nancy realizes that they could potentially use love to try and appeal to the human side of the Aglaica, Odette, right? So they still have the love letters that Odette wrote to the woman she was in love with, the English woman. And when the Aglaica appears to finally take them all out, Godfather style, they read the love letters to the Aglaica. She turns back into Odette and then bursts, like she disappears, she's gone. But in the mayhem, George is fatally wounded and she is stabbed by a harpoon, the same harpoon that was kind of foreshadowed by our ghost in episode three of season one. And she dies. So the blood bucket curse has been fulfilled. George died. And Nancy says, not today, bitch. And she gets up and runs to the Horseshoe Bay Historical Society. She remembers reading that they are housing a shroud to revive the dead. So she uses the shroud to bring George back to life. And she's revived as if nothing ever happened. She's completely healed. And in the end of the episode, we realize that by Nancy breaking the power to open that box to get the shroud for George, she inadvertently opened all the boxes in the supernatural jail of the historical society and now all the ghosty creepy evil entity spirit things are released on the town and uh we might be in trouble also at the end of last episode we saw that somehow now george and odette are connected not quite sure what to make that one yet but at the end of the episode, George was singing in French and we saw Odette in the mirror and George doesn't speak French, but Odette is French. So we have to make the assumption that they are somehow connected now. And that was it. That was the end of that episode. It was a solid episode. It would have been a good finale. Let's just put it that way. It would have been a good finale, but for now it's not. It's episode five. So we're moving on <laughs> to episode six, the riddle of the broken doll. This opening sequence, I said this earlier, kind of plays a lot like a premiere because yeah, it, it, it really does. Um, it's like, let's catch up with what, where all of our characters are now after this like break between the last two episodes. And it, it felt straight, not wrong, strange, given that it wasn't a premiere, but it, it was a good way. I don't know how it aired. Like, I don't know if there was like a break in between these episodes, like a longer break, but it was like interesting. Um, it was, it showed how committed they were, right? They didn't change a lot of their plan as writers because yeah. ep- you could tell last episode had a feel like a finale to it. This episode feels the opening, at least yeah, opening like um, of, uh, of a Premier. season. So it was, it was good. It was a good opening. I really liked it. It was interesting um, to see or to like reiterate some of the stuff that I previously mentioned of like Nancy being an outsider because she says that everybody else is kind of moving on with their lives and she's like still stuck or the way she like ends or where, she, where what, like what's happening to me. I'm at a morgue. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. Like she's she, like, some of us are moving on. Meanwhile, I'm still surrounded by dead things. Yeah, and and that's a, and it still shows that this is she's finally facing the consequences of like the way at the beginning of season one. Well, it like, had to go through the court system. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and it's just interesting because it just shows that Nancy can't move on, right? Like there's like she still has to face the consequences of her actions of all of season one and and a part of her probably doesn't want to I mean um, yeah. so it's interesting when you like just a juxtapos- position juxtapos- yes. juxtapose. 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 
Mr. Pizzos? I, I can't speak I've English. English is hard. Either way. I've heard um, it both ways. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you understood that reference, hit me up. Can we we'll be, be friends? Best. We'll be besties. Um, and as you can tell, I did because I, but everyone else seems to be doing better. Yeah. But not Nancy. But not Nancy. Bess is on a yacht. Yeah. And Ace like hiking, maybe it looks like. Living his life, you know, being Ace. Nick and and George are like at the claw and Nick's mom's like teaching her recipes and they're celebrating all Hallows Tide, which it feels like a Halloween like event for Horseshoe Bay. But either way, they're all doing like normal everyday things, except for Nancy. Poor Nancy. Nancy narrators says, you know, some of us were moving on, but me, I'm in a morgue. And like Teresa said, she has been assigned 500 hours of community service for breaking into the morgue. And I'm like, why? She didn't even do anything. She broke a window. 500 hours. But anywho, honestly, though, you know, it, it's cool that she's having to pay consequences because that that did kind of get dropped for a little while. But um, while she is serving her morgue duties, the coroner, who is kind of an asshole, basically sticks her with the kid, his his child, and he's like, I need you to watch him for a little while. And Nancy's like, um, babysitting is not a part of my community service. He's like, your community service is tied to this morgue. He's in the morgue. He's your responsibility. And I'm like, I don't think that's how that works. But... The little boy is actually kind of adorable. His dad is the dick. But while she is there, Tamora walks in and it's a body. It's a guy in his 20s who's been cut up and sewn back together. And Nancy remarks, like a doll. And Tamora's like, oh, you. And she's like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just mopping. And she like runs the mop back and forth. But the the guy was found in a backyard. And so Tamora's like, so I'll be back in like six hours. And the coroner's like, dude, this is not New York. It's going to take longer than six hours. It's just me. And I'm like, well, then you're an idiot because Nancy could solve it in six hours. (laughs) I just, I kept thinking, I was like, if only like if Nancy could call John up, you know, like between the two of them, you know, I kind of miss him. I know, yeah. right? I know Ace misses him too. Like, I know. just, I know that they probably had to write him off for like reasons, but Asking I miss reasons. him. Yeah. Well, he might come back. You never know. I hope so. But uh, Nancy asked Tamora, she's like, come on, just share it with me. You know, I'm going to find out anyways. And Tamora's like, no. And I'm like, dude, she's going to find out anyways. She's not. She always finds out. But anywho, the uh, coroner has to leave with his kid because he has to take him somewhere for something. I can't remember. But Nancy's left alone in the morgue and she starts to hear sounds. And My worst says, nightmare. Yes, right. And she says, a couple of months ago, I would have convinced myself that was nothing. But she's hearing sounds coming from one of the bays where bodies are, right? One of the body bays. And she, she... Very, very uh, discreetly, accidentally pushes a giant shelf in front of the cameras. And typical. What'd you say? I was like, typical. Exactly. And she walks to the freezer. She hears knocking on the other side, which is like my worst fear. And she's about to open it when the phone rings. It's her dad, Carson, her dad, that dad, not Ryan, dad. And the fact were, that we have to clarify now, love that the dads love that for us. <laughs> but anywho, it's Carson. They were going to meet for lunch and he can't, he says that he has just gotten a big case and it could be very like, it, he could make a lot of money from it. And so it could repair his reputation. So he has to, he has to take it. And she's like, well, what kind of, you know, what has your client done? Found a body in the backyard. And Carson's like, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And Nancy's like, oh, you got that case. And he's like, where are you at? Nowhere. <laughs> it was just a really funny thing. But Carson hangs up. She opens the door to the body bay. And it's the body from the backyard. It's still dead. 
obviously. She finds something in its mouth. It looks like bugs. We don't quite know anything else. I was that. severely grossed out by all of this. This whole episode was gross. I don't know what else to say. It was pretty gross. But she takes the bugs and shoves the body back inside because she hears the corona coming back. So she takes the bugs from the dead body and she goes home. And I love this moment. I put my cute married couple because she is on the phone with Ace and they're talking about food for game night and they're just having like casual conversation like they're married and right and they're having people over for a dinner party it, it sounds yeah it sounds like they're trying to like that they're the ones they're planning out the food because it. they're coming over to their apartment like I know hosting. like what do, what do we want to do what do we know and like she stops speaking because she starts to hear that noise again and Ace is on the other hand he's still talking he doesn't realize it and he's he's like we can make Nick pick it up like because he's like I'll pick it up and then she doesn't respond he's like or we can make Nick pick it up like he's like why aren't you responding trying to figure out what's wrong and guessing it's something to do with him and I was like oh baby (laughs) oh my goodness but she has to hang up with Ace because she keeps hearing the noises so she starts checking all the cabinets and then she checks the pantry and at first it seems like there's nothing there but then a body falls out and it's the one from the backyard, the gross one with like that was sewn back together and like all that jazz. So Nancy has a dead body in her kitchen floor. It's fine. Classic. It's fine. Iconic of her. Exactly. Feels right. Feels, feels on par. But George and Nick and George's kid sisters are at the claw. George is making Millie's catfish. And while she does, she has some sort of like episode slash seizure slash something. And the catfish starts burning. They come in. They realize that somehow she got the wrong oil. And George doesn't remember getting the oil at all. I also just want to point out that it was olive oil. And that's how Odette made her fortune. True. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a good thing. I immediately noticed. I was like. Oh, dad, can you make it more obvious, please? Exactly. So George is having some sort of episodes now. We can assume that, yes, it is connected to Odette, even if you didn't pick up on the olive oil thing because of the end of last episode. But Ace walks in with a game and then he's like, I'm going to destroy all of you. Game night, Ace crushes. I just... I, the, the more I watch this show, the more I love Ace because originally I preferred Nick, like I, not for Nancy, but like in general as a character, as a character. But the more I watch this show, I was just like, I, there's something up. he's just so goddamn charming and cute and not cute, like in a like aesthetic way, which he is very attractive, but like he's so wholesome and understanding and he does seem to me like to me just like Nick I feel like the two of them seem to be more mature yeah I've always just assumed it's because they're both older than the girls but we know Nick is I just assume Ace is also I would think so there's something I I, for some reason I also think so because they never mention Ace being in the high school with them exactly mm-hmm. exactly so, so he must have graduated not that much before them but before them because they were he was he had to be at least a year or two before or you know yeah. older because they weren't they weren't hanging out in the same circles yeah so the crew all goes to nancy's house and the dead body is in the floor and Bess says nancy did you kill someone and nancy's like no Bess, i didn't kill anyone And she explains that it's the same body from the morgue. And she thinks somehow it followed her home. Like it's haunted. So at first they're all like, we should call the cops. And then they're like, uh, Tamura's not woke to the supernatural. So we can't really call the cops because they'll arrest us. He already thinks we have a thing for dead bodies, which they're not wrong. I mean... It's, I love, though, that it's Ace and Bess who initiate the conversation of, we could just keep it 
and do our own autopsy. And it's then like, like, yeah. Nancy's like, yeah. And Nick's like, no. No, I think here's the thing. It's just interesting because at the beginning of this episode, when Nancy was giving her spiel, like narrator Nancy, she made it seem that everyone was moving on and happy to. Like everyone's moving off the mysteries and happy to do that. But this moment, it reminds you that like, no, Beth and Ace like found something because they were solving mysteries together. Like even George was like, I kind of missed it. Like it gave us a purpose. And so like, it, it goes to show that even though outwardly they were moving on, inwardly they were probably just as stuck as Nancy. And it reminds you how unreliable Nancy is as a narrator. I was going to say, and it also is a, kind of a throwback to the pilot, right? Where all we have was Nancy's perspective and yeah. how wrong she was about everybody. everybody yeah. <laughs> so they, they're all like, yeah, let's do an autopsy. And Nick's like, we're not going to perform an autopsy in the kitchen. And Vess is like, you know what? You're right. Living room feels right let's have it in the living room <laughs> she's like there's more space <laughs> and Na- and ace is like totally gun hope for it. he's like yeah let's do it and nancy's like okay well y'all start this i'm gonna go talk to someone who might know something about this body so she goes to carson's office and talks to the lady that is carson's client now except carson's not there it's just nancy and the it's- client and she's talking away like I was sewing when I found the body and like all of a sudden Carson rushes in and you realize that Nancy purposely got there before her dad so that she could hijack his witness. <laughs> As she should. I As mean, she should. He was trying to keep her from it. Like, well, what else was she supposed to do? Like, exactly. She As she should. As she should. <laughs> Darlene is the name of the, uh, the witness. And she says they found the body under a maple tree, which Darlene does not go near. And it's something about a family superstition. And I just immediately wrote that down. I I immediately was like superstition. I relate one. Uh Uh-huh. Duh. Um, I was just like, this feels important. You know, sometimes my gut just tells me things. Nancy's reaction to that is like, oh, huh? What? Superstition? Yeah, she was poking at it. She was like, family superstition. What does that mean? She's like, that sounds like my field. My field. Something that would interest me in my supernatural <laughs> leanings. But anywho, Nancy wants to help her dad basically get back on his feet. She realizes that he's having money problems and Carson is not having it. He is like, you shouldn't have to worry about this. You're the child. I'm the adult. And I just want to point out, Nancy's like almost 20 years old. So, yeah, but but she's and while she's not a, a a actual physical child, he's she's still his child. Yes, she's still his child. Um, but still, like she is old enough, she could be helpful to him, and he should know that by now. She solved Lucy's murder and got him yeah, out of fucking jail. I don't think that matters to parents, and I know parents are different, right? But given the type of parent Carson is, there's clear expectations to him in his mind about what being a father is and one of those is that he is financially independent from his child his child may not be financially independent of him but he's not relying on them and their labor to help him survive and so not i think and, and i know some parents are different right out of maybe situational or cultural or whatever but Carson's just the type of parent who is like, he clearly has like, I'm the adult 100% of the time. I take care of myself and I take care of my child. My child does not take care of me until like I'm old and decrepit and (laughs) dying. (laughs) I mean, obviously. Yeah. But anywho, so he will, he will not allow Nancy to help. So the crew is back at Nancy's house. Nick doesn't, he's very cautious about inviting this realm of supernatural back into their lives, right? Whereas I don't blame him. He literally saw George die. Exactly. And Tiffany. So yeah, so Nick has been grossly affected by this, but Ace is 100% ready to dive in. Uh, So he, he explains like, 
all of his stuff with Nancy in the past couple of months and the supernatural, he feels like gave him a sense of purpose and he feels like he's been missing it. But they start to do the autopsy with a pizza cutter, mind you. And Nate start, uh, A starts to open the stitches on the spine of the body. Meanwhile, they realize that the beetles that came from the body's mouth are extinct and have been for over a hundred years gross yep it's gross and before we get to the end of this scene though there's another moment of george singing in french except this time nick notices it and he's like mm-hmm. this is unusual you don't speak french and george is like i don't know what you're talking about it's almost like she really doesn't know she's doing it it's absolutely ap- absent-mindedly she's not doing it like she's not making these choices it's it's like she has no control over her body um yeah but that's all like interrupted because ace opens the spine and there's not actually a body or organs or anything it's animal bones and flowers and a variety of other things that are really gross (laughs) And I was disgusted this entire time. I was like, I don't think I meant this. It was gross. It was, it was gross. And if you know if Teresa's saying it, it was. It was pretty uh, Here's the thing. And, and I'm sure there are people who could watch this because I've watched gross things. I don't like bugs. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't like bugs. Gotcha. Well, Nancy, of course, has gone back to the historical society because she has a supernatural problem. Though the problem is, Hannah's now pissed at Nancy because she unleashed all those supernatural entities on the tra- town by opening all of the boxes and did, and completely abolishing any trust Hannah had in Nancy. And she will not let her in. Nancy tells her about the haunted body. And Hannah's like, I am not going to help you. You stole from me and destroyed my property. This, this is a thing, little child. Like, right? Because Hannah's a lot older than she is. Like, but it came across that way, almost like in like an adult, like speaking down to a child. Yeah, like um, she was scolding her, like she, which and- I lived for because again in the books, Hannah basically helped raise Nancy, and and I don't blame like like I said, Hannah has every reason to be mad at Nancy. Like Nancy messed up, uh, and she did in fact steal, and she did in fact uh set a uh, like release of god knows how many evil spirits um or you know yeah the thing is though hannah you also not this may not be true but in my mind hannah has a responsibility now <laughs> yep. to, as the keeper of these secrets to like keep them secret and like this body her responsibility and she, her being mad does not absolve her of anything that happens afterwards after the fact nancy went to go tell her and now it's hannah that she knows as a supernatural keeper it's her job or maybe not her job but in my mind it's one of her obligations to keep everybody safe anything happens hannah's partially responsible at this point yeah um because now she knows hannah uh, like nancy told her we yep. need to work together. I was like, Hannah, get over yourself, okay? You can be mad after. Like, but right now there's a, you know, haunted body. God knows what that means. Well, you and she to- does tell her about the body. And also in this scene, we find out Nancy didn't realize she had opened all the boxes or like the other boxes had opened. Mm-hmm. And she she offers, this is funny, she's like, she offers Nick to come and fix the security system. And it reminded me, of the episode where Lizbeth asks Nancy's permission to use Ace to hack something for her. So does Nancy just loan out her people? Like, is that is that what this exactly, is? That's exactly what's happening. Nancy's putting Nick on loan, okay? Yeah. Um, but she tells Hannah, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to fix it. I'm trying to fix it, especially if the body is from the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. And so Hannah realizes that, you know, like you said, they have to work together to fix this so she lets her in and she's like don't you dare touch anything which is a mood. as hannah should as yeah. hannah should as is a mood right as is like, yes house. put boundaries down <laughs> yes boundaries are very important back at nancy's house though 
they've kind of split up and George and Bess are trying to identify the flowers from the body. And Carson has a nature in Maine book. And Bess makes a comment. She's like, it's such a dad thing. I knew he'd have So one. dad, very dad. <laughs> and I'm like, where's Google? You can't just like Google the shit. Like, I, well, I mean, to be fair, they probably don't know what to Google. And the book has images they can compare it to. Okay, that checks. That checks, except you could use this thing called Google Lens. They may not have that, okay? Everyone has Google Lens. It's free. Download the Google app on your phone and you have Lens. Um, So they're trying to identify the flowers. Ace is with Nick in the body. And Ace is like casually performing an autopsy while trying to interrogate Nick about George. And George and Nick shares that George will not talk about her temporary death. Ace at this moment has to remind Nick that George isn't Nancy because Nick makes a comment like he doesn't want to push George. He learned his lesson last time. And Ace is like, George is not Nancy. And I loved that moment because I understand that Nick is like learning lessons, but also I loved it because Ace was like, hold on. They are two separate people. They are two different people. But Ace does tell Nick that he'll talk to George for him because Ace also, like, was on death's door, right, in the spirit realm. So Ace is going to talk to George. George and Bess, meanwhile, have discovered that the flowers are also extinct. So all of the things in this body are coming up long-deaded. Um, and then suddenly bugs start to appear everywhere. And the corpse is leaking blood. Gross. But also not as gross as the bugs, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, Debatable. But I'm sure you can debate it, but I've made up my mind. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, they uh, call Nancy to let her know. Nancy tells Hannah. And Hannah says that she's going to speak to some clergy in Greece who specialize in post-mortem curses. And until then, there's not a lot that they can do. So Nancy uh, heads back home and the Drew crew is cleaning the floor hardcore. Ace is still autopsying (laughs) when there is a knock at the door and they all stop cleaning. And Nick says, maybe they'll go away. But they don't. They knock again. They open the door. It's the corner. He has his son, Leo. And he sees the body on the table and he's like, he thinks Nancy stole the body, obviously. And he can't, he's like, I can't believe it. I came back and only for that body to be gone and you were gone. And I'm going to call the police. And Nancy kindly reminds him that, you know, it's probably not a good idea to call the cops and tell them that you left a convicted burglar alone in the place where she burglarized long enough for her to be able to burglar something. <laughs> and he was like, Fair. Good I'm point. taking the body and I'm leaving. Don't get in my way. And so he does. Take Don't blame him. In the van. And as he is shutting the door, the eyes on the body blink. I just, okay, here's the thing. The (laughs) moment they were like, the flowers are also really old. I was like, I don't think this body's cursed. I think this body's otherworldly or who has been dead, dead. Then he started bleeding. And then I was just like, I'm really confused. And then he blinked. And then I was just like, he's demonic. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My thought process is going backwards. But Anywho, so he has taken the body. He is removing the body from the Drew crew, sadly. No more living room autopsy. And at Nancy's house, they're discussing the blood leaking because, right, they're cleaning everything up. And they realize that the blood looks fresh. And someone comments, like, what kind of corpse bleeds like that? And Nancy's the one that realizes that it's one that's not dead anymore. Right. Blood is obviously like a surefire sign of someone who is living. Right. Mm-hmm. Blood. And so back in the van, the coroner is spiraling hardcore. And he is trying to 
I don't know, justify his actions to his son who could not care less what he's saying. Over he's just his- hanging out with, with his little toy that he with named his Charles. Charles. Yeah, or Charlie, and- whatever he says. I think it's Charles, right? It's Charles. And Nancy is trying to call him and he looks down and he's like, what is she, an omnipresent wizard? And I was hey. like, what is it about Nancy that all these grown-ass adults allow her to like, get all up in their like brains and just like burrow there I, th- I think it's hilarious because these are grown-ass men and they're one extraordinarily intimidated by a girl a very she's an adult man. but barely <laughs> I mean you know it's it, it just reminded me a lot of Tamora like Tamora is obviously very intimidated by Nancy as he should be Exactly. As he should be. Nancy is, her phone's calling, but it turns out to be Nick. And they're trying to chase them down in the roadster because Nancy thinks the body is, like, rejuvenated. It's alive. (laughs) Leo, the son, playing with the doll, Charles, and the doll loses an arm and he freaks out because the window's down. The wind blows an arm away. And he's like, Charles lost an arm. You have to go find it. And so the dad pulls the van over. And he goes, which might have saved their lives, by the way, because he goes to look for the arm and all of a sudden Nancy pulls up behind him, runs to the door. And as she opens the door, the body in the back is about to attack Leo. But when Nancy opens the door, it disappears. So the body is in fact alive and it has escaped. Yeah. Um, I... 100% believed the arm saved their life and I thought it was on purpose especially after we find out who the who's in the doll yeah yeah exactly that doll lost its arm for a reason they are trying to locate this body this rejuvenated body Nancy asks Ace to use his dad's police scanner she was already doing Anyways, Hannah finds out that it's not even a human, but it's an evil entity. So kind of like Simon. And it is capable of growing a human-like body. So while everybody thought that it was actually a murder victim, it's actually the monster. And so while Nancy and the crew are trying to figure this out, the coroner, who has not been taking this well the whole time, is spiraling further and is obviously in shock and so Bess takes the coroner and his kid home ace and george are going to keep looking for the monster and nancy and nick are going to darlene's house to see if they can find any clues mm-hmm. i just uh trauma relatable, honestly i i was just like this and the coroner is the only one that's normal in this moment and it's part of it's because he's never really faced the supernatural before and everyone else is like basically as experts at this point um but i was just like i am the coroner i and like i am connor connor is me we relate yeah i would be freaking out as well me too totally relatable but nancy and nick are at darlene's house it's dark and darlene is apparently not home because they break in because you know that's what they do if you're with nancy and They go by the tree where they found the body and into the house. Nick finds the box key from the historical society. So one of the boxes was in fact the Darlene's family. We don't know if it was Darlene's, but it was in her family. And we, so we, we have confirmed that basically whatever this is, is connected to the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. That Nancy released. And she is able to give the number to Hannah and Hannah finds that the box contained the spirit of a Lamia and that Edith, who was an ancestor of Darlene, who was a woman in white, put it in the box by using a vanquishing ritual that separated it from its body, essentially. And they can't do the ritual anymore because it's far too complex. And the vapor once it escaped the box reunited with its body so that is why it was a family superstition not to go near the tree they had buried the body that the evil entity had basically grown 
underneath that tree and put the evil entity itself in the box. So that body had been there the whole time. Yes. And this is the moment I realized that Charles was important. (laughs) Yes. Because, oh, wait, were we going to say something else? No, it it was just, I don't, and I have no idea why. It just seemed like an odd thing to like focus on a doll. And then I was just like, oh, no way. Well, you were immediately like proven right because yeah like immediately it happened like right after and I was yeah. like I mean it was like instant gratification so they're wondering you know why would a woman in white get involved because they were kind of you know big deal right and they just kind of stayed out of things well Edith apparently like was a woman in white and we find out they look up the date and they find out that 12 people were murdered and they were all children, including Edith's son, Charles. So the Lamia targets human children. And Charles is buried over the Lamia's grave, almost like it is keeping watch over the body, right? Yeah. And Nancy, in that moment, like you did, realizes that Charles is actually the spirit of Charles talking to Leo through his doll. So this whole episode, Leo's had the little doll and he calls it Charles and, oh, it talks to me. No, it was legitimately talking to him. Yeah, and it's just interesting because do we know what the women in white asked for when they called the Aglaica? No. I just... They seem important. And I'll leave it at that. I think think whatever they called for... What? The women in white knew? Yeah, and I think whatever they called for, the fact that we still don't know about it, but every time they mentioned the women in white, they immediately followed up with, they called the Iglaica. They were like the first women to call the Iglaica. Yeah, that's true. But I I think that's definitely a reasonable assumption. You're not making skips and bounds or anything. No, but, I'm not reaching. I might be reaching a little bit, but I'm not hurting my back for it. No, you're, you're barely reaching. George and Ace are together and they're listening to the police scanner. And Ace uses this as an opportunity to talk about his own near-death experience. And he talks about how sometimes he will have dreams about the spirit realm. And so, you know, he asked her, he's like, what do you remember about when you died? And George says she remembers the sky and sunlight and water and then the water started to get darker and Nancy woke her up so she doesn't remember very much about dying but Ace asked her you know is that where you go when you drift off and she says no it's not I don't know where I go and she's like you know what if I never feel normal again and so it their experiences aren't entirely paralleled right because George genuinely doesn't know what happens when she has her episodes. But Nancy, Nick, and Bess are at Nancy's. The coroner is still not doing well in shock, obviously. Nancy totally ignores him. It goes to talk to Leo, who is ironically faring much better than his dad. And I don't think it's ironic. I think I think it proves how uh, adaptable children are and how their imaginations are so expansive and they can accept a lot of things. They're just like, okay. Well, and also he has Charles talking to him legitimately. Yeah, he, he has, he's had exposure for this entire episode from the beginning to the supernatural, yeah. even if we didn't know And protection, because Nancy realizes that because Charles' doll, spirit is in the doll or whatever, that it wasn't her that scared off the entity from attacking Leo in the van. It was the doll because he kind of held it up in front of his face to protect himself. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy questions the little boy. She's like, you know, what else has Charles Charles told you about the bad guy? And Leo's like, I don't want to talk about this. It's scary. So Ace, not Ace, Bess, Bess goes into au pair mode. She's like, let me work some au pair magic. And obviously she's had some experience doing this. She basically uses kid talk, like child language to get Charles to talk. And he's like, you know, she's like, we need to talk to Charles. And he's like, well, Charles has been trying to talk to you this whole time. 
And Nick realizes that Charles can only talk to other children. And so Charles tells them that the other things that he's been told, not Charles, Leo tells them the other things he's been told by Charles is that the group of flowers from where he stood watch is what they should get and to remember our names, all 12 of us. So obviously he's referring to the 12 children who died. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of have a game plan and they hear on the radio, the scanner that a new man has been seen making his way to the claw, which is full of children, including George's little sisters. So again, George's little sisters are in trouble. They've been in trouble a lot. And again, I can't help but think it's because they have an inherent connection to the supernatural that they just attract. Yeah, yeah, they just attract things like George and like Ted and every. They just, I feel like they're just like a beacon. I mean, you're probably not wrong. Like their mom is a medium. So obviously something there. But at the claw, the sisters are fighting and the two youngest sisters look out the window and they seem to be called by something. It's like they're being summoned and they're drawn outside and the crew gets back to the claw and realize that he has the two youngest fan siblings under some sort of spell. And they're just kind of standing there, I guess, waiting to die. So they quickly throw all the stuff on the ground. They've collected what was, you know, loved by all the 12 children and they place it on the ground. Nancy starts calling to the spirits of the dead children and naming all 12 of the kids. He starts to suck the souls out of George's siblings. And George is like, obviously trying to get at them. Nick is holding her back because Nancy finally gets to the end of the list And the spirits of the dead children come forth from the ground. They pull the Lamia underground with them and Charlie and Ted are saved. So Ace says, those ghost kids were awesome. Yes, they are. I agree. Nancy says, yes, but I'm glad they can rest now. So obviously those kids have been watching over that evil entity for so long. Yeah, and I, when she said that, I was like, but will they? Like, is this really the end of the Lamnia? I don't know. I think they finally were able to drag it back to the underworld. Okay. Before it was still above ground, they had just put it in the box. Okay. So So. I I love the imagery of the end of this. It's very classic horror. Like hands coming from the ground, grabbing at your ankles. It was beautiful. I loved it. The candles were great. The 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 using the power of names and remembering names is such a powerful image. Um, it's kind of what happened with Odette, right? Yeah, it's 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 remembering the humans behind all of the supernatural occurrences that seem to be really important, which. Again, I can't help but, you know, connect up to my own theory here that Nancy's lack of self-acceptance and lack of self of like her unsure of like which name she connects to is going to be a running thing when it's going to be important given the heavy supernatural connection this, this season seems to be having because names are very powerful in supernatural culture and stories and, you know, um, keep that in mind really um because there's a lot of um you know a lot of like folklore and things like that that are connected to you know remembering names pronouncing names correctly summoning people by calling out names you know protecting yourself now just remember it i well i mean i won't forget i've been saying that names and you know have been a thing right and then so um, yeah, so I, I, I think it's really interesting and I think they did a really good job at the ending of this episode. Yeah. They finally got rid of the Lamia. They go to the police station, the coroner, the coroner and Nancy go to the police station and basically 
convinced Tamora that it was some med school prank. Convince is a strong word. I was gonna say it almost got a little bit more like blackmail, but not blackmail. It's more like um they gave him a story and now they're like, it's up to you, bitch, but we're locals, you're not. So see how this goes. Who are they really gonna believe? The Havoc Horseshoe Bay or some new guy from New York that made fun of our bagels. Like not to mention, like he he's very prickly. And he uh, hasn't made many friends, <laughs> if any. Exactly. He's very surly. Yeah. And, but... and so, and despite Nancy and all of her oddities, like people like her. Exactly. Cause she's a local. But Nancy- not only is she a local, but she, she, her, even if right now she's unsure about it, her connection to the Drew name is important. It carries yep. weight. Yep. So Nancy says, can't you forgive it all on All Hallows Tide? And Tamora says, that's not a real holiday. And Nancy says, that's not a real necktie. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, get out of my office. So now the coroner and Nancy, I guess, are friends, which is good. Bodes well for her uh, her service, right? Yes, it does. But she also has a new connection, right? It's good if you're a, a criminal, like, master, like, solving crime. It's good to have a good connection with a coroner. I just can't help but feel and like this is a... Re- supernatural. Yeah, and, and he knows about it. I can't help but feel like this is a replacement for John, and I miss John, and it's fine. Oh, I only got to see John a couple of times. It doesn't matter. He hasn't printed himself well, in my heart. <laughs> but they're back at the claw... Ted and Charlie don't remember anything. And Nick asked George, he's like, are you okay? And she's actually honest. She says, no, she doesn't think everything is okay. But she does say that she has to figure it out by herself, which I think is a mistake. I think eventually she'll open up to Nick and we'll need that help. But she'll have to like, if she's possessed, not possessed, who knows what's, we don't really know the specifics of what's happening to George. We just but know she's it's connected to a out. Like she yeah. needs someone with her. She, she one won't be able to keep the secret forever. People will notice people are already noticing. And two, it seems very dangerous. Yeah, it does. But we see then Nancy and Carson, Carson comes in and he's like, somehow, Apparently, Tamora has decided to drop all charges. And Nancy says, huh, an all-tallow-tied miracle. And Carson says, well, yeah, but that also meant I had to give Darlene a refund for her retainer because she's no longer being charged with anything. And Nancy is still upset Carson is keeping her out of things because she's not a kid anymore. And he says, you know, I'm happy that you helped Darlene. And you're right. He's like, I can't stop you from doing it. And you're great at what you do. And so he wants to hire her to be his personal investigator to help him keep winning cases. Smartest decision he's made in his entire life beyond adopting Nancy or kidnapping. I don't know what it is, but. Well, uh, yeah, true. That was, <laughs> that was also smart. But Nancy says that she wants a paycheck. And she has to be able to keep her part-time job at the claw because George would be lost without her. I love Okay, do she even at this point do any of them work at the claw? How is that restaurant functioning? They're always gone. No, but it's so cute because you know she's not referring to the job. She's referring to her family, right? Like she wants to be back at the claw. That's where their home base is. That's where they solve mysteries together. I felt like it was not about well, the job. Well, yeah, like I, I repeat, she doesn't really work there, so it couldn't be about the job. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, the last scene, we see George. She's at the claw looking in the mirror. She's saying out loud, I'm still me. And it's like she's trying to convince herself when all of a sudden Odette appears off camera and says, I'm here too. We see her in the mirror walking towards George. George obviously sees her out of the mirror, though, even though we don't. So we know that Odette lives inside of George, Mm -hmm. right? So George is possessed again. Again. Poor George. She's such a, it's a, Leah does a beautiful job with all of her 
the possessions. Yeah, they were like, can like, we really can't catch a break? Can't catch a break. So that was the end of that episode. Now we move on to Easter eggs. I actually did not find any Easter eggs in this episode. I felt like this one was pretty much just living in the supernatural world. Like, and like I've said before, the Nancy Drew book series was never really supernatural. It was always, you know, there was a human cause behind what appeared to be something supernatural. So in episodes like this, where it's very heavily supernatural, it's much less likely that I'm going to find something that is an Easter egg. So moving on to ratings. Today we are rating our episode on a scale of one to five possessed action figures. And one is garbage, five is iconic. Where are we at, Teresa? As much as I enjoyed bits and pieces of this episode and the aesthetic and idea of it, I did not love it uh, or the execution of it felt a little flat to me, which I thought I would never say. So I only gave it three possessed action figures. So I agree. I agree. I also gave it three possessed action figures. Wow. Yeah, this might be my least favorite episode so far uh i i can't help it it, i might agree with you i don't think i've given a lot of threes i have not either i'm not i don't give a lot any i don't give a lot below three like four i've never gone below a three but um i don't think i've given many threes i think uh, up until this, this might be my only my second or third three but like, I, I really think this might be my least favorite of either season so far. I just, ugh, I re- and I remember be feeling the same way when it aired. Like, and my other episode that comes to mind that I was like, meh, was um, the one where uh, Ace was in the spirit realm. That was another uh, one that I was like, meh. But I like that one better than I like this one. I just think the potential for this to be a really amazing episode was there. Like I said, I love the concept of it. Um, and as as and as a horror fanatic, I think they could have done a they've got a, could have done a lot of things. And I think what they decided to do might be purposeful, right, for the the upcoming episodes, right? But I, to me, as a standalone episode, fell flat especially following an episode that was really well down done with the drowned woman. Um, this one just didn't live up to it as a follow-up. Yeah, it, it was, it was especially rough comparing the two side by side, but yeah. I felt like also the ending was just rushed. Like they spent. And, and you could feel it too, right? They were running and I get it. They were like, you know, but it just, it wasn't yeah. elegant. I think is a nice word. Like it wasn't as elegant as the mysteries usually are and like how they're usually tied up. Yeah. And, and there's, and again, a, a lot of it had, it felt more, and most of the, the, the mysteries that they have, like the standalone mysteries they have per episode, though they do set up some other stuff sometimes feel very neat and tidy. And this one very felt like the purpose of the mystery was to set up other things versus it just being the mystery. Um, like the whole vibe of it, like um, I, it felt like they were setting up a lot of things and the purpose of the mystery wasn't the mystery itself that needed solving, but to have this mystery so you can have the next thing. And, and you could feel that. And I think um, it didn't help its cause. <laughs> um, no, I think its purpose in the overall plot of the season was to prove that some things escaped the boxes. Yeah, like it, it was setting up the whole purpose. Like it didn't feel like, I don't know. It just fell flat. There's, there's, I have lots of thoughts and I think I've made some connections here that I'm hoping lead somewhere. I could be wrong, but um, there are like lots of little pieces. It like one proof that, that things did escape the boxes, that like Hannah's fear is a reality. Um, I think it also proves that, um not that this needed proving, but that superstitions in Horseshoe Bay have a layer of truth to them. 
Yeah. But um, it's interesting how they decided to do that. And I like, again, I made a connection and it's kind of going into my predictions a little bit um, that like family superstitions mean something outside of just town superstitions. And that there's a layer there that's that they need to explore a little bit. And that like, they were set, I think they were setting up the relationship between Nancy and Connor as the coroner for a purpose and that felt very purposeful right and so like everything though was I think was done for a reason I don't think it was just a bad episode for no reason yeah it didn't the mystery itself felt weaker because it was setting up so many other things yeah I got you Mm -hmm. all right now we move to predictions Yeah, so I kind of talked a little bit about it already, but I think I I thought you might have. I was like, oh, she's veering into prediction territory. Yeah, um, and here's the thing. The family superstitions, Darlene had a very specific family superstition that was connected to the overall mystery that they were solving, right? And I think it's going to, that's going to come back. I think it's going to be a running theme that family superstitions, family legacies, family stories, right. That we tell, and we all have some, right. Like stories that you just like, you laugh about it. You're like, Oh, our family just doesn't do that thing because of, you know, because of the story. Right. Um, it's going to be important. So I think what they're going to end up doing is every time something even remotely supernatural happens, they're going to look for, the families who have stuff in boxes and they're going to ask and look for family superstitions and family stories that might lead to clues or connections to what could possibly be in boxes and how to defeat them because there's a layer of truth to those things um and well, so and obviously some of these boxes have had things in them for a for very gen- long time generations and yeah. so um, you know, things that were warnings or memories become legend, become stories, right? Become folklore. And so um, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of getting to know the people of Horseshoe Bay on an intimate level and, and getting those personal superstitions, personal, you know, myths of, of the people of the town, because um, it's a town that really is rooted in locals and who the locals are and who they aren't and I think it means something that Connor was specifically labeled as a local boy and setting up that relationship between Connor and Nancy and setting up a label like a a level of of trust now given that Nancy saved Connor and specifically saved Leo and now that he knows that the supernatural is a thing and so Connor is coming back I think he's going to come back not with a vengeance but with a lot of um bodies I think are going to be dropping not soon-ish but um you know around the corner and I think Connor is going to be a big part of that and his connection to being a local is going to be important there um, and what kind of superstitions his family has if they have any and anyone that he knows that might have some as they solve mysteries moving forward. I also want it to be known that Connor has a connection to the flower shop um, that I previously mentioned. Um, It sounds like his wife might be Lily and so um, from Lily's garden, the flower shop that I think might have some significance or importance to the illegal activities of some sort, um, from the Hudson's and the Marvins and possibly other families or people in town. But also I think there might be now a connection to the supernatural with Lily's shop and what that could mean given that she, it sounds like she might be the only flower shop in town and, you know, people dying and, and, you know, flowers have, um, married to connor yeah Yeah. and so so i think um that might have something to do with it i do i don't think it's a coincidence that um lily made that one line or that comment in that one was it episode two or three i can't remember i can't Um, remember about you know her being very secretive and having like confidentiality in her shop and her being I think no. it was three. I think that was the eighth episode. Yeah. And um, and Connor uh, seemingly being married to her or having a connection to the flower shop when he mentioned 
his wife and, you know, him being now seemingly going to be important moving forward, um, given that he's a coroner um, and the kinds of stuff that our crew here gets into. I think I feel semi-validated that Nancy's now teaming up with Carson because I did mention very early on episode one that Carson's clients were going to be very significant in this season. And it sounds like they will be uh, given now that Nancy will be working for and with Carson doing some investigative work for his clients. And um, I'm sure she's going to find things that are going to be connected to the overall mystery of the supernatural, given his clients, because it sounds like his clients will be locals, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised if Darlene won't be the only person she interrogates without Carson's permission. But now that she's part of the team, it will be less illegal. (laughs) Um, True. uh, or uh, less frowned upon. Yeah, less frowned upon as she's an investigator. Though I will, I imagine Carson's going to do his best to try to keep her as far away from actual investigating as possible and probably keep her within a parameter. Office it won't work, work but Office work. Yeah. Um, given that he's a father um, and she has a, a tendency to find trouble, um, something she has in common with Ryan. <laughs> And then I think Odette, she will probably stick around longer than anyone would like. Um, And I think it's interesting that um, we have Bess, who's a Marvin, and you have Nancy, who's a Hudson, who are two people who are part of her murderers, right? They're they're family legacies, right? And Odette being stuck in George and what that will mean and whether or not Odette will find solace in being so close to to people where she can possibly exact revenge if she so desires, right? Like she has control over George um, in some capacity, it sounds like, right? With her singing in French and it sounds like Odette with George blocking out and like Odette popping up at the end there that they're sharing a body and I don't know what that means and I don't like it and Odette's a strong personality and I'm I, I, I'm worried for Bess and I'm worried for Nancy and what their connections to the Marvins and Hudsons will mean with Odette being stuck in George yeah it's it's definitely a complex situation going forward Oh show mm-hmm. all right so that's all we have for you this time Make sure that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts that you leave us a review and a rating. It helps us a lot with visibility. We really appreciate it. Also, make sure you hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at Making a Drood. And you can find me personally at Slowburn Mac. And Teresa, where can they find you? I'm also on Twitter at uh, T-E-R-E underscore D-V-95. Come hit me up. Very cool. And as we move towards season three, just a reminder, we'll be coming out once season three starts with one episode a week and might have a little bit more room for some more dialogue. But right now we're trying to (laughs) get through these episodes so quickly. It might feel like we're not speaking as much as we did in our earlier episodes but well i mean also let's be fair our earlier episodes are way too long (laughs) it's true they are kind of lying but you know we'll see how things go i'm really excited to get in on the uh prediction game but that's all we have for you today so until next time we'll catch you later drudes bye